Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, senior editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you for another Pittsburgh Steelers postgame press conference. Steelers are not winners in this game. They lose to the New England Patriots 17-14 following the same script from a year ago where they go on the road, have a big win in week one, come back home in week two, and lay an egg. Brian Davis will be joining us shortly, but joining me right now, Dave Schofield. What's going on, Dave? Ugh, lay an egg. Yeah. Um, not a fun one to watch. No. Honestly, are they ever really fun to watch if the score doesn't end up in the right place at the end of the game? Yeah. I can at least say a game could be entertaining. Yes. This was not entertaining. No. This was frustrating. This is, yes. uh, I think that's the perfect word to use in the in the title of my recame, recap, game recap podcast was in offensive ineptitude. Yeah. And I think that perfectly describes the Steelers offense right now. And look, this is the cleansing period. I've often said that me, Dave, Brian, everyone else on our podcast network, the fact that we have microphones in front of our faces, this is therapeutic for us. When the Steelers suffer a disappointing loss, us talking about it, we get it. You that are watching live on YouTube or Facebook, you will have your chance to air your grievances, so to speak. Uh, and so we'll keep that in check. We're going to go through the game like we always do. Win, lose, or draw. We're going to look at the stats. But we always start with knee-jerk reactions. So, Dave, what was your knee-jerk reaction after this loss? Well, it's interesting. It's kind of what I said to you as I was sitting on your couch. I also then felt the same way at listening to Coach Tomlin in his press conference. There are two types of teams. There are proactive teams and there are reactive teams. Proactive teams go out there and say, hey – we are the alpha dog. You're going to have to change to, to adapt to us because we're just better than you. The Pittsburgh Steelers do not have that mentality right now. They are a reactive thing. Team, everything that Coach Tomlin said, or almost everything that he said in his press conference, when still wasn't saying much, was reactive. Oh, we, you know, why weren't you working the deep middle of the field? Well, they have a good safety. That's you reacting to them. You're not saying, hey, that safety's still got to make plays against us because we're going to because we can do this and we can do that. If if you're going to be a reactive team, these are the types of games you're going to lose. That's a great way to put it. And if you listen to Mike Tomlin's post game press conference, everything that he said 
revolved around, like you said, the reaction to the other team. I understand you have to adjust. You have to make adjustments. But at the same mm-hmm. time, if you feel like you have skill position players they that can make plays, then you say, hey, whether it's George Pickens, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, we're going to challenge your single high safety look by doing this. It just didn't seem like the Steelers did that. And we'll get to that throughout the course of this podcast. I want to remind everyone listening, whether you're listening on our audio platform, which thank you for finding us on our audio side. If you're watching live on YouTube or on Facebook, you can find us in so much more than just these type of podcasts on our audio platform. All you have to do is search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain, subscribe and follow, and you can get all of our podcasts, which is so much more. So make sure you check that out. My knee-jerk reaction was, I hate this offense, and I, I'm I'm starting to figure out what exactly is wrong with it. And it's been since 2018, in my opinion, that we, the fan base, has seen anything that even resembles actual good offensive football for (laughs) a duration of time. 2019, we know Ben Roethlisberger was marred by injury and he was lost in week two against Seattle at home. 2020 was that dink and dunk offense that, yes, they started 11-0, but we know how they finished. They couldn't run the football. We know what last year looked like, and this year is picking up right where last year left off. It is frustrating But we're going to talk about this, and I think as we go through the stats and we talk about, especially on the offensive side of the ball, we as a fan base can start to pinpoint issues within this team, or maybe issue, singular. We'll talk about it. We'll get that all taken care of. Kyle Smith gives us $5. Thank you for the tip. He says, Trubisky throwing dump-offs, even with perfect protection, throws off his back foot too much, bring in Pickett. Also, Steelers are now 0-5 without TJ Watt lifetime. That's uh, is that is that lifetime. I know when he sat out. You know, I know between last year and this year now that they have not won a game without him. Yeah, uh, I'd, I'd I'd have to go back and look even before that. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying I can definitely confirm right. that with the games he missed last year, the Steelers didn't win any of them where he was out. Oh, yeah, his his presence or lack thereof was noticeable. We'll put it yeah. that way. You could definitely tell well, that there was no. TJ Watt in this game. He, hey, the guy's the defensive player of the year last year. I mean, this isn't just some street. This isn't like, okay, we got to deal without Bud Dupree, even when Bud Dupree was here. And Bud Dupree was a good player. But if Bud Dupree missed a game, no one said, oh man, this guy, I don't know what they're going to do. When you miss TJ Watt, you're missing a defensive player of the year. It's a big difference. Go ahead, Dave. What were we going to say? No, I was going to say there was a comment around that. I was reading that super chat before we go. And then someone else said in a comment, it's something I did not realize. So no matter what, the Pittsburgh Steelers are still going to be in first place in the FC North after week two. Yes, I did not read. I, I was I listened to the Mike Tomlin press conference on my way home. I then was listening to the to the the that putrid purple team lose. Yes. I had no idea that uh, that Cleveland the Jets came back and up. Won. Cleveland I, gave I, up a last second. It, it looked like Joe Flacco to Tory Smith back at Heinz Field when they I didn't threw even that last. See day. That. Yeah. Okay, so if you want to find a silver lining, there's your silver lining, and that's all I got. Screw the silver lining. <laughs> yeah, this offense sucks. This yeah. offense sucks, and uh, Isaac Aguilar, longtime listener of the of the podcast, gives us $5. Thank you very much, Isaac. He said, I don't want to overreact, but got to get rid of Mitch. So let's start talking about the offense, and we, we always start here. I don't want fans that maybe just are tuning in for the first time saying, of course, they're going to start with the quarterback. We always start with the quarterback. Go back to when we talked about Benjamin Todd Roethlisberger. It was always the first thing that we discussed. So let's talk about Mitch Trubisky. He finishes 21 of 33, throws for 168 yards, a 5.1 average. He did throw a touchdown to Pat Fryer. He was intercepted once. He was sacked three times for 16 yards for a 73.8 rating. Those three sacks, though, I have to say, two of them were not on the offensive line. No. Oh, <laughs> it is infuriating. You're curious is- about that. So, I mean, even that infuriates me, and you're even more furious about it than I get. So, yeah, I feel bad for the offensive line because they get beat up repeatedly, especially by the beat reporters of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Just they just keep digging and digging on this line. And I'm thinking, this guy's not helping them at all, at least with the narrative and the storylines. That's just me. And, and also, not only was that bad for the line, the one was when there were 13 seconds left in the half. Yep. And you, you and you decide to roll out and run for the sidelines. 
and take 10 seconds on a play, you've got 17 seconds to get in the field goal range. You can't use 10 seconds on a play that you're not even going to gain any yards. Throw it away, stop the clock, and not gain any yards. What, what are you thinking in that moment? That one, to me, that one was the one that bothered me the most of any of the sacks. But in, and then and then the other one was what was the other one? I, I don't did Dave let's just stop it for a second because you brought up yeah. that play. Yeah, this guy's not a rookie. No, and even if you are a rookie, you high school kids are taught to throw the ball away in that in that situation. You can't take a sack, you got to throw it away. He's out of the pocket. There's no intentional grounding threat or anything like that. This is not the first time he has done this. I cannot wrap my head around what this veteran quarterback. Okay, this is his sixth year in the league. Why in the world he would ever even can he's done this since the preseason? And I was furious then too. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't know. We have some super chats. Let's get these up here first, Dave. Permanent pictures gives us 499 and says Mitch is worse than old Ben. Ben could read defenses when he had time and still uh clutch up. Mitch is booty, and that's what he said. Those are no <laughs> their words on mine okay let's get tom Muir gives us five dollars i've seen enough of mitch no killer instinct in either game so far why keep kenny on the bench if the most important player isn't quote unquote the guy okay and then we have uh let me see if i can find the other one here we go knight rider 16 gives us five dollars says could mitch be better sure but a lot of these passes are by design we heard canada needed a mobile quarterback what plays have we ran that requires that and that's a good point as well. That's a very valid point in terms of the offensive scheme in Matt Canada. Dave, what do you think? Yeah, because there's a there's a lot of different things. I know I was frustrated at first on the third and eight when they when they threw the ball to to Najee Harris uh, a yard past the line of scrimmage. But then I, you know, one of someone who was in stadium reporting for the Steelers, several different people said, "Hey, Chase Claypool and Dante Johnson ran into each other, and you know, would have been the number one one of." Deontay was probably the number one option, but because they ran into each other, why are you running? You know what I'm saying? That's just got to be better execution. And you could still chalk that up to maybe play calling. The, the, the one I brought up to you was it was, it was what it was second and four. And instead of throwing it two yards beyond the line of scrimmage of with Deontay Johnson running across the field, which I think he still would have ran for the first down, they decided to throw two yards behind the line of scrimmage to Najee Harris. You, all you had to do was watch Mitch. Watch Mitch, and you knew where he was throwing the ball the majority of the time just by watching him drop back. That that play that people thought would have been DPI um, on the wheel route to Najee Harris, um, which actually was good defense because they didn't touch him. It's not like they tackled him before the ball got there. Um, he watched him. He stared him down the whole time. You know, the, these are things that you would make, you know, maybe you expect that from a rookie quarterback, but not from your veteran. But at the same time, you know, I'm still I'm still in in the camp of when the Steelers decide it's time to make it make a change, I am 100% behind it to make the change because I'm also not sure are they asking Mitch to do these kind of things and if they are shame on them or is he just doing them someone's going to throw somebody under the bus at some point. If I was Mitch Trubisky and this is what they're asking me to do, I would throw my coach under the bus. And if the quarterback's just not playing, you know Matt Canada will throw him under the bus if he has to, if he's just not doing the stuff the, the, the way it's it's being called. Eventually, we're, you know, we might actually figure this out. But uh, I would not I would not put up if – that, if that's what he's being told to do, I wouldn't put up with it because it's obviously not working. Wilson Pava gives us 499 says Mitch reminds me of Charlie Batch. He's a great backup, capable of winning some games, but overall nothing more than a caretaker long term. Not a I, that to me right now, that sounds like a diss of Charlie Batch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Charlie uh, Charlie Batch played better in black and gold so far than you're right. Mitch you're right. in, in regular season play. Mitch uh, Tyler W said gives us two dollars as Mitch did place the ball nicely on a two-point conversion. Yeah, it's not like it replays terrible. Oh, right. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> okay, so but let's go back to something that you said and you were talking about. Is this and a lot of people are going after Matt Canada, and I understand that that's kind of like by proxy. Have you ever, Dave, run even in high school, even if JV scout team, I don't care. Um, mm -hmm. have you ever told your players, okay, it's third and eight, you have no option but to throw it to this guy ever? Like no other no. option. I don't care if the entire defense a play call that gets that's at least gets the majority of my receivers no, no, down. I'm, I'm saying this for a reason because some people are saying, okay, it's not Mitch's fault that he throws to Jalen Warren for a no gain check down on a third and eight. 
And they're like, oh, Canada sucks. Well, wait a second. Is Matt Canada telling him, hey, is he in the headset right now? Mitch, we have third and eight. You have to throw it to Warren right now. No other options. No, he's not saying that. I he's wanted to say this that. specifically about that play because I didn't think of it at the time because I didn't realize where they were on the field. That was also one of those plays of if you're not going to get the first downs, try to, first down, try to get a little bit of yardage because we're already over 50 for the field goal. It didn't really matter. What, what, he threw it to Jalen Warren on that one. Did he gain a yard or was it no gain? No, I'm no not gain. even sure. And Boz knocks through the long field goal. So sometimes I understand if you're if you're looking at the if you're looking at when you're at the edge of field goal range, but that's that really should not have even been the mindset on that play either, because you you were you know you can't take the sack. That's one thing right. you couldn't do for sure. But you can't take the sack, or else you're going to take yourself out of field goal range. But my goodness, sometimes it, it feels like yes. The, the defense is going to defend the sticks. So sometimes in order to try to make the play, you got to throw well in front or well beyond. That's how it is sometimes. But once again, it goes right back to what I started everything with, so Brian can hear my rants again. It's about being proactive versus reactive. We're going to throw what the defense gives us. Well, when the defense gives you, when it's when it's third and 12 and the defense is going to give you the little out route to the – I'm thinking of the one when they were pinned – back on the punt where they were around the 10-yard line. They took what the defense gave them on third down, but they gave you something that you weren't going to get a first down with. You can't do that. Sometimes you have to push it. You've got to push the envelope. And the, and it's almost like they were waiting for their final possession to push the envelope, and they were expecting they were going to get one more because they gave the ball up with just with six and a half minutes left, and they never got one. Yeah. So if you were someone and you were in the Kenny Pickett you were on the Kenny Pickett bandwagon and you were saying that this guy should start in week one and it, it didn't happen. We, we saw it. We all know what happened. Then you knew that the only way that you were going to see Kenny Pickett this season was if bad things happened, an injury to Mitch Trubisky or he looks like crap and they want to make a change. And so far it's the latter and that's not good for the team. It's the fastest way you'll get Kenny Pickett out there, which, by the way, I don't think putting him in there on a short week is the smartest move. No, you can't do that no, this week. No, you, you can't no. make his first start be that. You if can't anything, that. Unless and, you were planning for it last week and you were prepping for it the whole time. Which, yeah, th which they did not do. Which There's they no did. They did. Yeah. I'm sure they so did. So the best case scenario, if you're a Kenny Pickett fan and you want Kenny Pickett in the game, is if Trubisky still looks bad in, in Cleveland on Thursday night, they get a little bit longer break, and then they make the change after that. But we welcome Brian Davis into the show. Brian... We're talking quarterbacks, as you can tell. What were your <laughs> what was your thoughts on Mitch Trubisky's week two game? Quite simply, gentlemen, I'm not going to mince any words. Mitch Trubisky lost his game for the Pittsburgh Steelers with his decision making in a few different aspects of this game. You know, taking a sack by trying by losing about 13, 14 seconds on one play. Uh, just doing a lot of things. I thought that he missed, he did not even see a lot of open receivers. If you covered this already, I do apologize. But one thing that I noticed when we were watching the game together, I've always wanted yeah. to say that, by the way. Um, so one, one thing that I noticed that we're talking about all these guys that are open. And I brought up something that I talked to, I've talked about for 25 years when I used to talk about Cordell Stewart, because one of the problems with Cordell Stewart was the fact that he had it in his mind. I'm going to this receiver here. I'm going to option number one. And he looked at option number one, did not have the peripheral vision or the peripheral thought to look elsewhere. And there were times when Deontay Johnson was wide open, Pickens was wide open, and he'd go to that number one option. And that is a problem. I also made, made a... Uh, a mention that I thought that Mitch plays a little manic. That might not be as bad as the fact that he's not seeing the entire field and that's going to kill you here. Yeah, that's a great point. So let's get a couple super chats here. Uh, Permanent Pictures gives us another 499. Says Flacco hung 300 yards and four touchdowns on the Browns. Let's see what Mitch does. That's a great point. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that Mitch shouldn't play, yeah. and I, I want to make that very clear. Like, I'm well, not saying that. Mitch has to play this week, as we said. With it being yeah, the short yeah. week, you 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 really can't make that change unless injury forces it into you. Right. Let's get uh, Oral Richards gives us. Uh, 10 Canuck bucks. I believe that's what it is. Canadian dollars. It makes no sense to be middle of the road and accomplish nothing. Play Kenny, see where you are this year, then find out next year, two years wasted. I, uh, yeah, it, I definitely see that, that 
thought process. And that is, and I've, I've said this since the start of the season. Tell me one thing that Mitch Trubisky does that Kenny Pickett can't do, at least right now from the offense that we've seen in two weeks. And like Dave said last week, when I brought up the same question and posed the same question, unless Mitch, unless Mitch has the grasp of the entire playbook and Kenny doesn't, which we don't know that for fact or fiction, I can't see anything that Trubisky does that you can't say, okay, Kenny Pickett, get out there and let's get you some experience. Uh, Dave, what do you have to say? Anything? Okay, I could not disagree with that more. I cannot stand the whole notion of and see what they can do. This is the National Football League, and this is the Pittsburgh Steelers. This isn't let's put people out there and see what they can do. It, you make that call. I'm not saying it, the, the whole comment's wrong. I just don't like that phrase of, oh, let's see what they – and I see it all the time, and it drives me nuts. You don't put them out there to see what they can do. You put them out there when they're your best – option going forward and that's what you have to be considering now that should be the reasoning behind it not let's see what they can do i I just i just don't like that phrase brian any comments or any final thoughts on the quarterback absolutely the one thing that i'm thinking about here and we've talked about this they're protecting kenny pickett for another week especially jeff you just said about a short week this is a protection package from the pittsburgh steelers they're at least going at the at the least they're giving mitch trubisky three weeks now be careful what you wish for because if you want kenny pickett in there bad enough then the pittsburgh steelers are going to lose next week if mitch trubisky i mean if mitch trubisky starts that's what and is terrible that's what's going to happen, and he's going to start. That's how you're going to get Kenny Pickett, but you're going to have to sacrifice another loss and go down a one and two. That's exactly what's going to happen because unless he sucks next week, Kenny Pickett's not coming in. So if the Steelers win and Mitch looks good enough to get them the win, they're not making a change. They're going to make a change when it's a dire situation. Back in 2002, in week three, they finally pulled Cordell Stewart in favor of Tommy Maddox. I'm on a Cordell Stewart kick, I guess. But And they brought Tommy Maddox in. He came back and won the game. But that was after a while of wondering if Cordell Stewart was the right guy and was the final straw and they found the right replacement for him. They tried to replace him before with Kent Graham didn't work. So they finally found the replacement. So you've got to realize that they're playing this. They, at the beginning of the season, the beginning of the regular season and preseason, they said, okay, we'll try to get Mitch through the whole season. If he doesn't get through the whole season, maybe if things are bad at the, at the buy, we will, we go with Kenny. I heard you guys say stuff like that, but at the earliest, we kind of knew it would be week four against the jets, because if you're going to bring in Kenny Pickett against anybody, you bring him in against the jets. And like Jeff just said, and like Dave said before, you don't throw him in there on a short week against Cleveland in Cleveland. Well, I will say this before I bring up Tyler W's uh, comment here for a super chat. And that is players are starting to get frustrated and it's only week two. George Pickens has been visibly frustrated on multiple times after the two, three and outs in the fourth quarter. Deontay Johnson was visibly frustrated to the point that he was asked about it by reporters after the game. He said, I need to control my emotions better. These players, I mean, it's early. It is early and they are showing some serious frustration with what, with what's going on to me. Maybe it's because Roethlisberger's not there and you figure out that, you know, in that time period, Ben will figure it out and they'll get it going. I don't know about this team and this offense right now. That That's very fragile. We'll put it that way. But let's get Tyler W's comment up here. $5. Thank you very much. He said, not to disagree with bad, but I think Gunner lost the game. Mitch did nothing to win the game. That turnover changed momentum. We will talk about Gunnar Olszewski's <laughs> botched punt for sure. We've just been spending the majority of time on the quarterback position, rightfully so. Yeah. Uh, Wilson Pava gives us $1.99. Said, Surprise, there's no Kenny package yet. I'm sure that it's been... It's there. I, I would. I have a feeling it's probably in in the works, if not already sustained. Tom Muir gives us five dollars. Cincinnati is currently down fourteen to three. What is the downside to playing Kenny if we're going to be good? If we aren't going to be good with Mitch? Yeah, I mean that that's the thing. I mean, that's what you have to weigh out here, and this is what the coaching yeah. staff has to do. The, the coaching staff to to give a Dave answer. The Steelers <laughs> thought that Mitch Trubisky gave them the best chance to win, and so they went with him, captain starter. 
at some point, if you find that you think, okay, maybe this guy gives us a better chance to win, then you make the move. And they're going to have to see how it plays out. If it continues down this path, I'll ask you this as we move away from the quarterback talk and go to the other parts of the team. If Mitch Trubisky's play continues down this road, do you see him, if he stays healthy, being the starter for the whole season? Dave, I'll ask you first. Based on today, you can't see him as a starter for the whole season. Okay. But it's so it, it's it, you can't settle for what it is, what it's been so far. You can't settle for that for 17 games. So your it's got right. it's got to improve. It's got, I mean, the standard you expect right now to make a change is lower than what the standard would need to be later to make a change because you want because you you have that expectation of of improvement. So, in other words, the standard of what he's got to do is going to keep getting higher. He's already at a point that not not too far down the road, he's not up to that level. And yeah. some people would say maybe it's up to that now, but it it's a real it would take a really really bad performance to have made the change in the first two weeks, and it it wasn't that bad, but it's also not good enough that it's going to sustain him through six games. It's not it's not that either. Brian, same question, and that is if Mitch Trubisky's play continues at this level, do you ever foresee him just them just continuing to trot this out for seventeen games? Absolutely not. No, they're not going to do it. They're already they already have their backup plan. They already know that if this isn't working the way they want it, that Kenny Pickett is coming in. But they're gonna make sure that they get everything they know everything they need to know about Mitch Trubisky before they bench Mitch Trubisky. And if it's based on last week, there's no way that you bench him. If it's based on this week, you're like, all right. We're not going to bench him yet, but we've got to make sure that if this happens again, then we're seriously going to consider it. But right now, the way Mike Tomlin was in his press conference, he was throwing guys under the bus, not by name, but by position. But he wasn't throwing Mitch. The only thing that he would say is we've got to make plays, including our quarterback. That, and that's his way of, yeah. Okay, let's get some super chats here. Suave Al gives us $5. Says Mitch quarterback, (laughs) Mitch quarterback mechanics are on a high school level. He can't go through his progressions. He can't go through his reads. Can't look off a defense and stares at the number one wide receiver. Does he mean by throwing off his back foot on almost every throw? Yeah, then that was something that someone else said. What he's saying, then I'm I'm not disagreeing with that. One of my Twitter followers, my ride or die crew, they pointed that out, and I watched it. I was like, holy cow, they're right. He never drives into any throws. He's always throwing off his back foot. It's really weird. Knight Rider gives us $5, Knight Rider 16. Let me be specific. He said, how do they go right down the field when they went no huddle? It looked familiar. You can't run a no huddle offense the entire game. And that's the only problem. Um, well, I'm, I'm assuming you're talking that called about the, the Steelers. Big 12, right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Tanya McBride gives us $1.99. Says, I don't see Pickens doing much until Pickett plays. Um, yeah, I mean, that's – Pickens is – I, that's that's the real head scratcher to me. Um, he, he's, he's definitely a guy that you could at least use to stretch the field. I don't know. We can't spend the entire podcast talking about the quarterback as much as I would love to. I'll be talking about that a lot of my Let's Ride podcast. I'm sure others will be talking about it as well. Let's go to the rest of the offense, and let's talk about the running game. Najee Harris, 15 carries for 49 yards, a 3.3 average. Gunnar Olszewski had the longest run of the day for 18 yards on one jet sweep. Jalen Warren, four for 15. Trubisky, one for seven. Derek Watt, one for two for a first down. They total 22 carries, 91 yards, a 4.1 average. Gentlemen, let's talk about the running game. Uh, Dave, we'll start with you. Yeah, well, we didn't even see Derek Watt's carry because CBS thought it was more important to show Robert Kraft than the actual play going on. Um, so I only complained about that six times at your house. So I had to make, I, I had to make it an even seven here. Second only to the Wildcat in 2019. <laughs> the that was a <laughs> long, at least it wasn't five hours like yeah, I had in the snow. My, my, my thing when it can't comes to the Steelers, it wasn't bad. They were over four yards um, uh, a, a carry again. Um, not when I say again, it, it wasn't that last week when I look at no. it, but, but when it came to the running backs, the running backs were 2.3 last week for their carries. That was better this week coming from the running back position. It's not that the run game, it was, I thought it was overall 
more successful runs than they had the previous week. It just the whole off it, it it's it almost seems like it has to be so much that it has to carry the offense that they're going to have to run so much that they don't pass. And that's not going to be the case either. I know some people are still really harping on the offensive line. The offensive line did not stand out to me in a bad way in this game. There was plenty of other things that stood out that in, that was a negative. And to me, the offensive line was not one of them. Yeah, yeah, you had a, a false start penalty, which wasn't anywhere close to as bad as the one they didn't call on New England in the first half. Then, And you also had, you know, I saw a play one time where where, where a guy came flying through on, on a bad play, but you're not going to have perfect plays all the time. But the offensive line was there. They did not seem to be the issue. And to me, maybe the offensive line struggling throughout the preseason clouded the other issues that were actually the bigger issues that now we're seeing. All right, Brian, what do you think about the running game? I thought the running game was much better. I thought if they took advantage of some of those situations on the passing side that you would have seen a lot more opportunities to run and close it out, kind of like New England had at the end of that game. Um, I'm not as worried about the running game this week. I'm more worried about the passing game now. thought the running game was good. I thought the offensive line, if I was giving the offensive line a grade, I'd probably give them a C plus um, with the arrow pointing up. Yeah. I mean, so running game was what it is, 4.1. I always look for north of four yards per carry yeah. as, a, as a good watermark. They did not hit 100 yards total, but still not bad. Let's talk about the offensive line. We talked about how they surrendered three sacks. Two of them, I believe, were ones where we're, we're sitting there saying that's not on that's not on the, the offensive line. Like They're doing their job. Let's talk about the offensive line more specifically here. Do you like the way they're heading, or do you think that you know it's just kind of lipstick on a pig at this point, Dave? Go with you. Okay, you said the offensive line, correct? Correct. Yeah, and then this is all facets: run blocking, pass blocking, everything. I, I want to see this line coming together a little bit more every game. And I felt that they played better this game than last game. And I felt that last game they played better than they did in the final two games of the preseason. So you want that to be trending in the right direction. So I'm not, I'm not dumping a bunch of stuff on the offensive line here. I think that there was just. There was other parts of the game that really weren't coming through. Brian, do you agree with Dave or do you disagree? I agree with Dave. I I was fine with the offensive line. If I'm pointing fingers, we've already done it. Yeah, okay. So let's go to the pass catchers. I think that's important. But before we do that, let's get Grayson Brown gives us $5. Said, I would like to see more growth from the running back position, especially Najee. He looked a bit choppy. Could benefit from cuts, patience, and hitting the holes I will say this, this was the first time this season, including the preseason, where I felt like Najee Harris actually showed a little bit of explosion. He showed a little bit of speed. Now he did, he probably would admit that he probably missed a couple holes, but other, other than that, I thought that Najee Harris looked like he was kind of rounding into form. If that I thought he sense. got better as the game went on. Yeah, I mean, you think about it, the guy missed all of training camp, essentially, from the first padded practice on. He played sparingly, if at all, in the preseason, not much. He gets... Beat up again in week one in Cincinnati. Doesn't finish the game. It's going to take some time for him and the offensive line. I know no one wants to hear that, but I think I, I liked, I agree with what you're saying, Grayson. I think that there are some parts of his game that look rusty, but I think overall he's on the right track, just like the offensive line. Do you guys, do you guys want, before we move on to, to deep or the receivers, because this kind of comes more with the running sure. game and stuff. Go for it. Here's the bad stat of the game. You know, this is going to come on the, on the, by the numbers article. Pittsburgh Steelers' time of possession in the second half, nine minutes and one second. Ugh. They were winning the time of possession in the first half and ended up losing in the game because they got more than doubled up in the second half. Yeah, and you talk about the fourth quarter. I mean, if you were to narrow it down to the fourth quarter, it would be even worse, I bet. If you oh, could, yeah, if I you could possibly down, do that. If you narrow it down. Well, the think about it. They had, they, how many offensive plays did they run in the fourth quarter? Seven. They got. They yeah. had a touchdown to start it, and and two three and outs. That's yep. all they had. So if you look, I, I'm trying to see. Sometimes it doesn't always do it very well when you go just yeah. Two minutes and forty one seconds in the fourth quarter. Defense was. You could tell the defense was gassed at in the second half, and they, they were rotating guys. It just wasn't matter. Let's get to the pass catcher zone. Wrap up the offense. Deontay Johnson leads the Steelers. Six catches for fifty seven yards on ten targets. He did have that great two point conversion play. 
Najee Harris had five catches for 40 yards, so he is on the cusp. Let's see, rushing for 49. Oh, he's close. 89 total yards for Najee Harris. He had uh, six targets. Chase Claypool was four catches for 26 yards on six targets. George Pickens had one catch on three targets for 23 yards. Fryermuth four for 22 on seven targets. And Jalen Warren, one catch, no yards, one target. They totaled 168 yards, 21 catches, and one touchdown with a long of 23 yards. Gentlemen, what do you think about the Steelers' pass catchers? Dave, we'll start with you. Well, the overall passing offense, the, the, the three words come to mind, not good enough. I don't know that I'm putting any of that or much of that on the pass catchers. Okay, Brian? Absolutely what Dave said. I thought the pass catchers were getting open. I made a comment about Chase Claypool, how he has matured as a receiver. Um, you threw in the fact that he was matured as a person. I think he looks in his third year like a leader out there. You could tell the frustration on George Pickens. You could see what Muth gets when he gets the ball thrown to him. How many targets did he get again? Four? Uh, Muth? Hold on, I got it. Fire Muth, he had seven. seven. That's not enough for a guy like him. Really isn't. I, I got to tell you, Deontay Johnson does great things right now. It goes back to what I've been saying just today. I haven't been on this completely, but today I'm saying that the quarterback lost this game. The receivers did not. The running backs did not. And on this side of the ball, the offensive line did not. Is that bold statement factual to you, Dave? I'm trying to think about that. What Brian just said, that this game was lost by the quarterback. Now you, um, no, I'm not talking about like the gun roll, Shevsky. I'm saying offensive ineptitude, which is the way I okay. described it in the article. On offense, yeah. So on if, you're offense. Going, if you're going to the three phases of the game, you know, offense, defense, special teams, the offense, I would put the blame on this one on the quarterback. Okay. Fair you enough. know, of players on the field. You know, is it yeah. the scheme? Is it the philosophy? Or as I say, the whole idea of being <laughs> reactive rather than proactive. Right. That's yeah. I'm not even looking at that. I'm saying based on the players on the field, this came down to what wasn't good enough today was the quarterback play. All right. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball, which uh, wasn't too much better, I guess. Mac Jones, we'll talk about him first. He finishes 21 of 35, 252 yards, a 7.2 average, one touchdown, one interception, should have been two. Cam Sutton dropped the other one. I uh, was not sacked once zero sacks of statue Mac Jones and 79.7 rating. I wasn't overly impressed with the second year quarterback out of, out of Alabama, but let's talk about the Steelers pass defense while we're bringing up the passer for the Patriots pass defenses, five, five pass defenses, only three quarterback hits Tyson Alawalu with one Alex Highsmith with one and Malik Reed with one and zero sacks. We want to talk about Mitch Trubisky. I think the lack of a pass rush or anything consistent or looking like a pass rush was noticeable, or, you know, it's one of those situations where you just needed a big play, a sack, a negative play, and it rarely, if ever, happened. Dave, what do you think about the the Steelers? I guess you could throw the pass rush in with the secondary. Let's just get it all out there while we're here. Well, the pass rush, you know, they didn't get home. So you, it's easy to say that wasn't good enough, but I will make the note again, you know, whether you like PFF or not is the measuring stick for this. But when you look at teams at, at, at team scores, the New England Patriots were the number two pass blocking offense after week one of the NFL. So you knew that they were a good pass blocking team. You take away the defensive player of the year and every and and how they scheme things. Otherwise, I'm not the, the fact they didn't get home at all to the quarterback. I'm not shocked. It's not like oh my goodness they were playing this this terrible. T- it, if that's the case, then they wouldn't have been number two before this game. So that, but you, you, you still got to do everything you can to get home. Um, you know, this was the, this was about the splash and there was really only one splash offensive play that, that killed the Steelers. And that was inside of two minutes of the first half of Witherspoon trying to, you know, body catch the ball, wait for it to drop down into his bread basket rather than going up and getting it. And the receiver went over the top and went up high and got the ball and got the touchdown. That's really, 
I mean, that, that ends up being a huge play in the game. So it wasn't good enough, but it's not like I'm saying it was terrible. I mean, yeah. if, if they won the game and you don't have a play like that, then it's a whole different story. Brian, what about what do you think about the defensive effort? They were gassed, like you said. The defense, my gosh, the defense had was on that field so much in the uh, third and fourth quarter. They did not have they did not have help from their offense whatsoever. Especially the reason I'm harping on the quarterback so much is the fact that two, three, and outs. It doesn't give your defense any time to rush. I mean, to rest. I understand they gave up five yards per carry on the ground. They were giving up a lot over the middle. But if your offense is doing something, they they only gave up 17 points to this team. And I, I did not think that was – I did not think they were terrible. Sure, there was mistakes. Witherspoon made that mistake. He needs to go up. And uh, like, like Mike Domlin said, play above eye level. You could tell that he is going to get reamed out. But was that, I mean, was the defense anything that was just horrible that where you thought, oh, man, they've got to make some changes? No, man, when you're out there and you're tired and you're trying to breathe and you don't have help, that's what the problem is. And then also about Mac Jones. He had time to order a souffle back there. No, they, I mean, he had all the time in the world. I would have liked them to the referees to call some of those, those, uh, those uh, false start penalties because it seemed very egregious to me. And there was, of course, there's always some missed holds in those games, but still the offensive line did the job for the New England Patriots. But I don't think the Steelers defense lost this game. I thought they were put in a very precarious position. Yeah, this is one of those things where you never think. So if you bring up a Kella Witherspoon, I'm glad you did. You never think that a play like that in that moment is going to be the back-breaking play. I mean, my gosh, what, what do you always say? Like the rule of 20, you keep a team off of 20, you expect your offense to be able to score 20 points. And you provided a turnover in Minka Fitzpatrick's uh, interception. So you get a takeaway. And that one play in the first half, it seems like it comes back and haunts you because the offense can't do anything. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's frustrating. And I'm sure that it puts an onus on every single player and every single play to have to play out of their minds. And that's something that has been a narrative for the entire season was, okay, this defense could be really good, but are they good enough to carry this team the entire season? That's going to be exhausting. It's going to be exhausting if you don't have an offense that can go out and get you at least a couple wins a couple times. And so that's that's going to be something to note. I do want to get this $10 tip out there because we had missed it. My West Virginia buddy, Andrew Palladino, gives us $10. He said, we have backup quarterbacks, but unfortunately no backup offensive coordinator. Mitch looked bad, but Canada's play calling certainly didn't help, which was worse in your all's opinion. Thanks for the tip, Andrew. We'll answer the question, which was worse, quarterback or play caller? Dave, what do you think? Sometimes that's hard to tell. You know, that's, that really, that, that's, that's a difficult one to try to tell because if the quarterback's constantly making the plays and the plays just look that bad, it's, it's, so the answer's got to be both. It's almost got to be both because if not, one would stand out more than the other. So significantly. So that, that's the best I can do. I hope that's not too much of a Dave answer. It's perfect. (laughs) It's right on par for your Dave answers. Brian, what about you? Players were open. Matt Canada does not did not give them the three and outs. If you go ahead and if you convert, Mitch was making the mistakes in this game more egregiously than Matt Canada. Everybody wants to go after Canada, and that's fine. But when it starts to work, he's a genius. But you don't have the quarterback to make it work right now. I'm going to go quarterback as well. So let's get to a couple other super chats here. Wilson Pavic is another 499. Said Minka is making a case for defensive player of the year. The defensive effort should have been enough to win, even with Spoon's multiple mistakes. The D was solid even at the end. I can't disagree with that statement. I really can't. Even the part about Minka Fitzpatrick, the guy is putting him, I mean, he's averaging an interception a game at this point. So uh, that's a pretty good average. We'll see how that plays out. Snoopy McQueen. Gives us $5. Says Tomlin should be fired. Oh, boy. 
for bringing the offensive coordinator back. He's the worst OC in the league for the last three seasons. Tomlin has not won a playoff in five years fired. Okay, I'm, there, there's always the fire Tomlin crowd. Thank you for the tip. Can we put someone in timeout with the first Super Chats? <laughs> no, I mean, there's, hey, unlike what the Yins boys say, everyone is entitled to their opinion. And uh, they, even if they're it. bad, right? Even if they're bad. That's yeah, my just, theory. We all have our opinions. And, no, but I, I will. It's not that it's not that it's not a question worth at least pondering, but not to take it to that extreme. You have to yeah. want to ask yourself, what is the relationship between Mike Tomlin and Matt Canada? And how much is Tomlin really satisfied with his offensive coordinator at this point? And uh, guess what? Matt Canada has not been the offensive coordinator for the Steelers for three years. He has been for, for literally 20 games, including the postseason. Yeah. So also remember that. So you can't, I mean, I, I'm not saying I agree that it's, that it's good and it's working, but at the same time, taking it to that extreme is just, you know, yeah, let's fire the only the, the one of the greatest coaches ever because he doesn't have the right coordinator. No, just, Realize you need to fix the problem and fix the problem. Well, you just said take it to that extreme. It yeah. is just that. It's an extreme. Yeah. So, yeah. okay, Brian, anything to add? No. Perfect. Okay, <laughs> let's – the secondary, I do, do think it's worth noting that, you know, they did get another takeaway. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick takes the football away. And, again, that's – it's a sequence here. And this is going to be a good segue into our special teams talk. It's It was a sequence of events that took place. So, if you think about it, I believe it was a third and seven – Mac Jones throws a ball that it, it hits Cam Sutton almost dr- directly between the two and the zero on his on his jersey, and he drops it. Now, you're thinking, okay, well, that would have been fantastic if he intercepts that pass, but at least they force a punt. The next punt, the next play, Gunnar Olszewski takes it off his face mask, turnover, then a personal foul penalty moves the ball to the 10-yard line. Three plays later, Damian Harrison plunges into the end zone, and from that moment on, at least to me, it felt like this game was over. There's no way the Steelers are going to be able to come back. Yeah, they made that they kept the you know they stayed relevant in the game, but it was that sequence, that sequence of events. You have to make plays when they're presented to you. Cam Sutton didn't. Gunnar Olszewski certainly didn't. And let's talk about the special teams. Gunnar Olszewski was one of two turnovers by the Steelers. Trubisky had an interception. We mentioned that earlier. Uh in that one, the Gunnar Olszewski fumble was really, really poor timing. Chris Boswell was two for two from field goals. His long was 52. And Presley Harvin had four punts, 207 yards total, an average of 51.8. He did have a touchback, a long of 69 yards, but a little inconsistent at times. Dave, what do you think about the special team effort? All but one play. Yeah. Uh, you know, but you can't take that one away because it's the one that takes it from being a very nice day down to nothing. There is another one. When when Big Press had two big booming punts to start off, you're like, wow, man, my goodness. But when he was backed up and they needed it the most, 40. Yeah. You know, so where where then they got – I can't believe the Steelers – did not surrender three points. The defense did not surrender three points in that drive. They had, or The offense was held to a three and out. They got only a 40-yard punt with a five-yard return, and they had it at, at midfield. The defense forces the three and out. Okay? And then they get the ball back at the 20, and it's another three and out, and that's the last time they touched the ball. So, yes, even though that was the, the one spot where you needed the best punt of the day from Marvin, and it's when you got the worst, it ultimately the defense bailed them out, but – the other the other part where special teams came up short, that that put the defense in a really bad situation. Not just at, at the twenty and then the penalty on top of it, putting the ball at the ten. It was not good. Not good. Brian, thoughts on special teams? My thoughts on the special teams are they made a very big mistake. I didn't see anything else. I agree with Dave on the the Presley Harvin punt. I, in fact, there's an APB out on Dave for stealing my thunder um, <laughs> because I was all ready to talk about that. But, you know, that's still – he mentioned something in that whole sequence. Jeff, you said that the ga- you felt like the game was lost there. I didn't feel the game was lost, but one of the reasons you must have felt the game was lost – is you didn't have trust in the offense and the quarterback to move him down the field. Right. And so when I made a and when I made a comment about Mitch Trubisky losing this game, I like Mitch Trubisky, I don't have a problem. But 
I'm going to be flat out and saying that he lost this game. And someone said, no bad special teams lost this game. That was one play. Next thing you know, instead of 17 to six, it's 17 to 14. And they have basically a whole quarter to come back and win that game on offense. And they touch the ball and they have the ball for two minutes and 41 seconds in that final half of that final quarter. So with that, yeah, you, you, you could say the special teams lost the game, but they, they don't, they made a, that's a huge play. They, uh, they lost, they lost seven points on that play. Sure. But they still had an opportunity, so many opportunities to win that game. They did not take advantage. That's why all three phases of the football team matter because they're really all interconnected. The The special teams can't give up that kind of play when they're all trying to carry the offense. That's what you're, in essence, that's what you're trying to say, right, Brian? Yeah, but what I'm saying is they <laughs> o- they could have overcome yeah. that gap. The thing is, you yes, but, but when you already realize that one part of your team, the offense, is what you're having to overcome anyway, the other two have to be perfect. And that's a problem. You can't. Yeah. Yeah. And so th- th- this is what we're talking about now. I will always say this. It is something that I remember hearing probably, I don't know when it was, Joe Gibbs, Hall of Fame coach of the Washington Redskins, once said that a football game in its entirety can be boiled down to four to five plays. You win those four to five plays, you win the game. You don't make those four to five plays, you could end up losing the game. Think about the key plays that were made in this game and when they happened and the Steelers didn't make those plays today. Whether it was Akella Witherspoon getting mossed by Nelson Aguilar at the end of the half. You think about Gunnar Olszewski muffing the punt and then them getting the ball at the 10-yard line and them scoring a touchdown. You think about Mitch Trubisky wasting time at the end of the half and not throwing the ball away. These are key moments. And what what this all equates to is the Steelers are a very fragile team right now. You cannot make too many mistakes. They're not a team that can just get away with it. Think about what we saw on Thursday night. You saw the Chargers and Chiefs with that offensive firepower just boom, 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 just moving the ball because if you make a mistake, that's okay. We'll make up for it. The Steelers are not making up for it, at least not right now, and that's a problem. So I want to get this super chat up here. Snoopy McQueen responds, says, another $5 tip. Thank you, Snoop. Tomlin's not winning playoffs or Super Bowls. He's not getting the job done. The offensive coordinator in his third season with the same problems. Tomlin brought him back. Remember, Snoop. It's not. It's the, Rooney's have a, the Rooney's have a say in that as well. Um, mm-hmm. They can hire. He was the quarterback's people. coach the first right. season. Yes. He was so with that the was, Steelers. His One full as season as offensive coordinator. I'm not saying I disagree that he's not doing a very good job right now. But let's at least get the facts right. So Okay. Let's do final thoughts. We could. We, we are all <laughs> going to have a myriad of topics to talk about this week. I already said this in case you joined us late. You need to follow us on our audio platform so that you're getting all of our podcasts, not just those that are simulcast on YouTube and Facebook. Go to anywhere where you get your podcasts and search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain. You can subscribe, follow. You'll get Dave Stat Geek, Brian's Bad Language, My Let's Ride every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and a lot of other shows that are only on that platform. But let's do final thoughts. Dave, we'll start with you. Final thoughts, man. Even it wasn't very good at the end when you're like, man, they they held the ball. The Patriots held the ball for like the last six and a half minutes. The defense couldn't couldn't make the stops and everything else. That's true. But even if they did, who knows how it would have played out? I mean, did you really think that the offense was going to come out and 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 oh, if only they would have touched it one more time, they would have made the plays this time. You know what? Yes, maybe they would have, but why don't you make it on the drive before or the one before that? I still can't figure out. They're like, well, why aren't the Steelers throwing the ball deep and in the middle? Is it the play calls or is it the quarterback decision? I'm not sure. I'm really not sure because, you know, the the secondary on defense and the wide receivers on offense, that's that's my weak spot. I'm I'm more about the offensive line of the running game. It's just – it's not enough to get it done. You could – you could – Play it all out on so many things. It's almost like the game plan was set up for the Steelers to have to cover for their offensive line being weak. And I didn't feel that the offensive line was the weakness. So I, the execution isn't there, whether it's on the player, the coach, whatever, that's all got to come together to for the execution on offense. And I'm laying this on the offense. I mean, you hold a team to 17 points, but I will say this. 
my brother and I joke around all all, all the time on our on our Scobro show about the Steelers don't live with their fears unless it's the postseason. We like to throw that in there. Unless it's the postseason. You know what? I've got another one. The Steelers don't live in their fears unless it's against Bill Belichick. It's almost like they were trying, they were trying to. This was my re I'm, I'm going to say it for the 17th time. It feels like they were trying to react to the great Bill Belichick and what he was going, what he put forth on the field. You know what? Have confidence in yourself and confidence in what you can do and go out there and make the great Bill Belichick to react to you. You know, don't, don't wrap your defense around, oh, what they might do or your offensive, well, what are they giving us? Go out there. There's, there's, it's the killer mentality. I want to see the killer mentality, and I did not see that today. Occam's Ox gives us a dollar ninety nine. Says I'll sum this game up into one word: gutless. Yeah, that's. I'm not gonna. I, I what, what can you say, Brian? Final thoughts. Go ahead. Man, I'm just a broken record today. You know, blame who you want. You could blame the offensive coordinator. You could blame you know the special teams in this game. You could blame the quarterback, but it wasn't good enough on offense. And that's going to continue to be a trend unless you figure that out. Who are these players frustrated with? That's my question. Who's Najee Harris frustrated? He looked visibly frustrated. George Pickens looked frustrated. Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson looked frustrated. The question is, who are they frustrated at? I don't really think, in my in my mind, I don't think they're frustrated with the play calling because they feel that they're open and they're not getting looks. So that makes me believe that it's a quarterback problem. And that's going to continue to be my opinion. But those who want to fire Canada, you know, that's fine. But they're going to go through the progressions with Canada, just like they went through the progressions with Randy Land, just like they're going to go through the progressions with Mitch Trubisky before they make that change. The guys at the top go through progressions and... You know, it's not good enough for us fans sometimes. I am a guy that likes to always know. I, I, I root for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't root for individual players. I want them to succeed. I do have favorites. We all do. I've always said that I want to look at the long-term success of this team. And so when I look at this team, I want to know that the long-term success is secure with the quarterback position. And when I say that, that is what I primarily am speaking about when I want to see Kenny Pickett in the game. If at worst, he gets experience and his year two could then be ratcheted up as him being the guy. I'm not forcing the issue. I want to see it. Fans want to see it. They want to see if the next guy is that guy on the sideline, number eight. If the next guy is the guy that they drafted number 20th overall in this last year's draft, the guy that was the first quarterback taken. That's what we all want to see. And so I'm not expecting that to happen this week, but if it looks this way again, I think that it, it's got to happen soon. And that's where we are right now. That's where this team is. It's the defense. Good. It borderline. Great offense. What's holding it back. We'll see. All right. That does it for us. We are done post game show. Definitely going to be a different schedule coming up this week, but we will be back. Actually. No, the Yins boys are doing the post game show next Thursday. Uh, and that's going to be uh, Greg Benevent. That's going to be Kyle Christ. They're going to have the post game show for you. We are going to be getting all the stuff done that we have to for the behind the steel curtain website, things like that. So make sure you check out Kyle and Greg and the post game show uh, after the game on Thursday night, but that's a wrap 17 to 14 Steelers losing week two. We will see you next time. Take it easy. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. 
Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.